My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore, Annapolis area, and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging. And my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Molly Carmel. It is such, I'm just like pinching myself right now. I'm so excited ah, to be talking to you. Me too. <laughs> We're having the same moment. <laughs> yeah. So for the audience, Molly Carmel is an LCSW. You're a leading addiction and eating disorder therapist and founder of Beacon by MC, which offers individual and group solutions to help people break free from their destructive relationships with food and dieting. Wow. That's so great. excited to be talking to you. But what? <laughs> what when I read your bio, I'm like, okay, you've been on the Today Show, Dr. Oz, Dateline NBC, Anderson Cooper, Stream Makeover, as well as People Magazine, Los Angeles Times, New York Times. Oh my gosh. I've been around the way. You, you know? have. You were even on Jillian Michaels. Yeah, podcast. that's fun. I've been on that a couple of times. She's a great person to talk to about this kind of stuff. It's so funny. And that's not even how we know each other is through the, um, is through the food and weight space, right? Because then my other side habit is intensati is is movements and mantra because many yeah. years ago as a therapist I was like I'm still a therapist but I was like God this has so much more to do with our minds you know like, it totally does it totally does and I'm gonna pour my water into a coffee cup so that yeah. people don't see me drinking out of my massive water bottle because sometimes people I forget when I'm recording and then I'm like water bottle so <laughs> I wow so. It was so exciting to meet you and what, and two days in a row, we got to experience your movement with music and mantras. And I know you told me what it's called, but can you, can you just tell me again what that practice is called? Sure. The practice is called Intensati. And Intensati. And the Inten stands for intention. And the Sati uh, is, it's all Sanskrit is without judgment. And so with intention, with intention 
And without judgment, we do this spiritual fitness class effectively. And for like an hour, we stop thinking about the things we don't want to think about. And we teach our mind, our body, and our spirit, the things we do want to be thinking about. And it's like, nobody thinks like that to think, oh, I actually have to be doing fitness for my spirit. And when we do the movement and the mantras, I am stronger than I think. I am braver than I seem. I am blessed with all I need. But while you're moving your body, like we can do that in a mirror and no, no sure. one's a bigger fan than me, but when you're moving your body, you cannot, it's very hard to dispute. I don't know about you. Totally. I look in a mirror and I'm like, you are, I am stronger than I think. And, and I'm not in the current, you know, spiritual health that I'm in now. I mean, there is a committee that is going to sit and say, are you though? Are you sure? Cause I don't think you, and what about yesterday? Right. But when you're moving your body and saying those mantras, and we were blessed to be in a group of people saying them with us. Right. The committee is so silenced out that it integrates. And while you're doing the movement, it integrates. It's my, one of my dearest friend, Patricia Moreno created this practice. She passed away last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, fortunate enough to be one of the people who holds her legacy. And uh, it's a really amazing thing. And I, I brought it into my community um, because I have a community where people who really struggle in their relationship with food and relationship with body and relationship with self. I do also think there's a part of the exercise world that doesn't attend to people who have exercise drama and exercise trauma. And I really do. And I was in class with my friend and I was thinking, She's just jumping up and down and then telling me, well, it's okay. You know, and if you can't do this, that's okay. And I had such a shame response to it. Like, and I was, and I'm almost willing to sacrifice myself to do the exercises like her. And I wanted to bring a part to movement and mantras that like, I'm not jumping because that's not a loving thing for me to do. And if you want to, I'm actually doing the lowest common denominator. Although I do have friends that are paraplegic that come to my class. And I just, I wanted to make it a little bit more all-inclusive. I think fitness industry has never, I used to weigh 325 pounds. And so That's crazy. I, everything I do and I create, I actually create for her because I didn't, the treatment wasn't available that I needed when I was in that, um, that desperate deathly space. And so I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm very cautious and thoughtful when I'm, when I'm creating anything, even when I'm creating something that's of my friend. Wow. Well, I know I shared this with you when I ran into you in the ladies yeah. room. At you the have to understand we're, we're besties from a bathroom, which I just love. <laughs> making oh my gosh. We're and scheduling a podcast in a bathroom. It was fabulous. <laughs> Isn't that the way life should be? I just say, hey, you know what? I, know. Just, I was like, Hey, I, I love you. Can't wait to yeah. see you. Yeah. So like day one, you know, of course, you know, we're all jazz. It's the first day of the conference and you come out and start having us move. And we're saying this day two, I'm tired. <laughs> and I see you come out on stage. And my first thought was like, oh, geez, that girl again. <laughs> I'm like, Is she, we got to do this again. Yeah. And I, you know, slowly, I, but by the time, I mean, it was like, thank you. Because I tell you what, it really just shifts your mindset. Yep. And, and like, I'm like, I'm all about happiness and everything, but sometimes, you know, eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah. I tell you, it is, there's it never is a time where we can't be saying, you know, I love myself. I soften yeah. to fear, you know, I lead with faith. I rise today. I don't know. It's never a bad time. 
I could, yeah. I even find my, even that morning too, I was like, oh, I have to go on stage. <laughs> but, then, but then once I got out there, I was like, all right, playing the hand we're dealt. So let's go do this. And it was amazing. And y'all, if you so weren't amazing. there, we were all going, I rise today. I rise today. And it was like, I mean, it's cr- incredible. It's, you and know, the music's going. Yep. And then like, that Worry Studios, I've been telling everybody that that was such an incredible um, venue because yeah. you could see the virtual audience and yeah. everybody's on their feet and they're doing it at home. And oh my gosh, it was yeah. real. Yeah. What a way to set the day and set the tone for the day. And it was just incredible. I, mean, I was so grateful for it, you know, because yeah, yeah. So tell me about your story. I mean, I'm looking at your at your um, bio. I want to hear, I want to, I'm, I, and that's why I don't read the bios anymore because I want to hear it from. I love from that. I never do person. any prep before my podcast. People yeah. like, you don't? I was like, I really think you get like a, a lot gets ruined. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're thinking things, I guess, right. That could be uh, the, the chapter of my book, but you know, so I'm one of those people who's like um, truly a, a wounded healer. Right. And um so I, I had a lot of early childhood trauma. I had a father who was deeply traumatized and um, yeah. he fought in Vietnam three times and oh. had a lot of impacted very deeply from that. Uh, and he ended up uh, killing himself when I was three years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he drove off a cliff. And uh, and then I had a mom who was about 25 years old uh, who was just ill-equipped and I think in many ways, like I was sort of, well, I believe I was sort of born very sensitive. Like I was born without, you know, emotional sunscreen. Like I was born extra. And so I, I only tell you all this because, you know, I think my relationship to something bigger than me, like this is really all about spirituality, in my opinion. Yeah. This is really mm-hmm. all about connection and spirituality. And that was really thwarted very early on for me, right? That was very, yeah. and because when my, when I found out my dad died and I had this really ill-equipped mother, you know, I I really, my, my self-sufficiency started from the get-go, you know, like I was like four years old and I was like, really, I was not really interested in asking for help or receiving help because it was such a risky venture for me. You know, my, my parent figures were not reliable. And the other thing that happened, which happens a lot of times when we become super self-sufficient, uh, is that it, you know, it makes us really tired and and really um, apt to go and use synthetic means to heal ourselves. And by synthetic means, man-made things. And so I turned to food when I was like four years old. You know, there are oh, stories wow. about me and I know and I know it even in, intuitively. I would go to my friend's house uh, in kindergarten, first grade gen core when she's still one of my best friends. And my mom, we weren't allowed to have any food in my house because I was a little bit of a compulsive reader. I mean, traumatically compulsive reader, but I'd go to Jen Corwin's house. That's where the M&Ms were, that's where the coffee, everything really became about like the drug of sugar for me from a very early age. Uh, Luckily, I was super smart and uh, I did really well in school and- but my whole life was really transfixed in like depression, anxiety, and consumption of food. And when I was seven years old, again, my mother was like outmatched. I'm obsessed with my mother. She's amazing. I, I think she just really did the best that she could. And at the time, there was really yeah. no help. And at seven, you know, yeah. all the adults around were very worried about me and my food relationship. And so they put me in treatment with a nutritionist. Uh, and that started my addiction to dieting. 
at seven, right? And that and the idea that you know my worth was in somehow related to my weight. That's not what anybody intended. Again, nobody knew. Of course, of course, what to do at that time. And so you fast forward, I'm in my first Weight Watchers meeting at 11. I'm at Weight Watchers camps. When I'm at Weight Watchers camps at 13, having the time of my life, I get this note in my head where I know at Weight Watchers camps, I'm having the best time in my life, but I also know that I'm going to go home and gain all my weight back. And it's just the worst feeling I could feel inside. Mm. And that's what happened, by the way, freshman year, I'm in Miss Pekovic's home ec class. I'm in my skinny jeans and the button pops off and my shame response just gets worsened and worsened. And so anyway, that summer at the Weight Watchers camp, I literally have this like spiritual experience where like I hear something and it says, you know, it's your job to fix this, Molly. You're going to do this. Because the Weight Watchers camps, you know, they didn't ask us how we were feeling. They didn't give a skill us up. They didn't, I wasn't equipped. And so the journey of the wounded healer is, of course, it got much worse than that. I wish that's where the story stops. But uh, I got very heavy, uh, 325 pounds. I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, my grandmother, uh, who's the bravest person around, she was not scared of me in any way. She said, Carney Wilson had just had bariatric surgery. And my grandmother said, uh, I was in graduate school for, for, for addictions and eating disorders work. And she said, I want you to have bariatric surgery. I was truly not wanting to live. And so I, I had very little decision-making will. So I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And when I was on the table, I was like, that's fine. You can, I'll die. I don't really care. And bariatric surgery uh, and Ozempic and everything in between, you know, it's a medical solution for something that is largely, I think, a spiritual and emotional illness although certainly biological. So I gained all that weight back while I was in eating disorder therapist. You just want to know like some of the worst ways to live. It's like being eating disorder therapist, very good at my job, binging my brains out at home. You know, all these things happen. I start the first ever therapeutic boarding school for adolescent obesity. My career is taking off. So my externals look really good, except for I'm gaining weight hand over fist. And, uh, but my insides are, uh, my insides are just, just, falling apart, like shattered glass. And my life mm. feels, feels like the size of a postage stamp, even though the externals are amazing. I'm living in New York city, whatever. It's amazing. And it's a horrible way to live. So I'm really gaining all this weight, which is a terrible reason to motivate, to change, but I, I don't have another, I don't have a plan B and I'm at, um, at, I'm working for one of the greatest eating disorders doctors in the country and I'm at her clinic and the drug rep brings blueberry muffins and I'm binging on the blueberry muffins in, um, you know, in the break room. And I eat them so fast that I have to throw them up in the bathroom and my boss walks in on me in the bathroom and uh, she writes me an email and she says, hey, can you get some help for this? And I write, oh, I just went down the wrong path, wrong, wrong pathway. Don't even worry about it. And it's an emotional bottom I can't come back from. You know, it's just this moment of grace. Where, and I don't also like at that moment, like I don't have a plan B, like I don't have a trust, fund, like, I don't have anything, like I'm going to mm -hmm. lose my whole life. And so I, first of all, I started going to some, some 12 step meetings that didn't help me with food, but it helped me with connection and, you know, the opposite of addiction, yes. let's be yes. honest, right? And so I was kind of like, okay, like these people are like me, it, it softened my heart. And then like slowly, but surely, like the weirdest thing happened where my brother actually went on paleo and he started losing all this weight. And I, and I was like, oh, well, if my brother can do that diet, I can do that diet. So I gave up sugar and flour. And the two crazy things happened. Number one, I went through an extreme detox and I was a, um, 
I was an addictions therapist. So I knew what a detox was. And I was like, this is weird. But the more important thing that happened for me, and this is my story, my biology, this is not for everybody, right. is that I also started to feel so much better emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I actually, I, I was running my own clinics at the time. I mean, and everybody was kind of like me because we were back in that like calorie counting, low fat era that is like toxic and terrible. And I changed my whole clinic into a food addiction clinic, a harm reduction food addiction clinic. And, uh, and people started to get better. And then the longer I started doing that work, I saw even the deeper spiritual malady of food addiction, which is really, I'll be honest with you, sugar is addictive, whatever, whatever. It doesn't even matter. People are so addicted to dieting and diet culture and enoughness and perfectionism and molding all of those together that the work I really am doing now is about that. It's about breaking that addiction and getting people internally strong enough to override these and I, and by the way, the more work I do in this, like, it's not just diet culture. It's like generational trauma of diet yes. culture. Because you say to somebody, well, where did you learn that? And they'll say, well, my mother, you know, blah, blah. and they'll say, where do you think you're, I mean, the generational trauma yes. of diet culture is, um, and so anyway, that's, it. so, you know, I used to be about sugar. I wrote a book about sugar. I'm certainly about sugar. I haven't had sugar, sugar or flour for 13 years. But where I really am today is like helping people wake up to the true nature of themselves and understand like, if you're going to buy diet culture, buy it with your eyes open, you know, buy it like you go into a casino knowing you're going to lose. Wow, but yeah, but there's other ways that you can take back your power and heal your relationship with food. Like I'd be thrilled if people just went through my program and never came back and then I would just have to go find another job and I just healed every, help every, every single person heal, you know? So anyway, that's the shortest version of my story. I think how'd I do? Too much wow. Time. No, no, it's incredible. And there's so much packed in there. Um, first of all, we have a lot in common. Um, We're back my, so We are. I know my biological father died when I was 18 months old. Um, he was electrocuted actually. Wow. And so fell sorry. on he fell on more hot wires and then was completely cremated. Ooh. My mom was 26 and I was wow. the youngest of four. And so she was a widow at 26, the youngest of four, with four children. And um he she got remarried when I was three. So I had I had a, a father, you know, he raised me for 47 years. Um, when you talk about the generational trauma, it is so deep, deep, deep for everyone. It's profound. It really, really is. And, and, and whether it's, well, and especially for women, for yeah. women, food and weight, like these lessons, I mean, and, and misogyny, I mean, if you want to just go there, like, yeah, incredible. Cause I mean, I run these groups and cause I'm run, sort of just starting to run some of this through a mechanism so I can start to really help heal. And it's like people, don't, you know, a belief is a repeated thought. Right. And so in many ways, a belief is a choice. Yeah. And this food, weight, worth, diet culture, scale, body, enoughness, have to wear heels, even though I have a bunion, like it goes so deep. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it, it's like something happened on Noah's Ark. Like it's so deep and profound how brainwashed we are. It, yeah. It, 
really going to be my next program is just going to help people to get their brains washed in the right way. Because, and I think one of the ways, honestly, I don't know what you think about this is like, I think we need to teach people the, the playbook that diet culture is using. Like you, any diet you go to, like they're, they're literally all doing the same thing. And like, then we're like giving them our money thinking we're going to get something back. And there are all these really interesting, I'm a behaviorist by trade, you know, I'm a licensed therapist. And like, there's this thing called learned helplessness, right. which is where, you know, when we fail at something so often, right. eventually by the end of it, we lose our, I mean, the, 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 the studies, which were many years ago are actually used with shocking dogs, uh, using shock collars on dogs. Ooh. And eventually the dogs just basically play dead so that they don't get shocked or they don't feel the shock anymore. Mm. And actually that analogy plays pretty good with diet culture. Because the other thing that diet culture does is it does intermittent reinforcement, which is giving a random reward, right? When you think you might die so that you stay engaged. This is what cycle of abuse is about in abusive relationships. And understanding these two ideas has been really powerful for women that I have, uh, that have been blessed to, to treat. Well, because here's the thing. I mean, I can just think of so many you know, celebrities primarily because- they're the ones that are in the public eye, right? And you're seeing them and their weight goes up and then it goes down, it goes up. And it's just that yo-yo. Yep. Um, and why isn't anybody like in their world, which which I don't understand because I'm not in that world and you know, quite frankly, really don't want to be yeah. that that, you know, big, big, rich and famous, just just the rich, you know, right? We all yeah. want to be rich. But um <laughs> rich hold the famous, yeah. Yeah. So like, why isn't anybody in their, on their team saying, you know, you got to get this right. Oh, it's oh. just a, it's just a, oh my gosh, it's just no way to live. Right. Well, I think there, listen, I think with fame, there's such scarcity. I was just listening to a podcast with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon Ooh. and someone was asking them something and they were like, you don't understand the nature of our business. It's like catch and kill. And you never know. I mean, talk about that kind of fame is literally scarcity and scarcity, oh, right. right? And when you're in that kind of scarcity, your vision is like maybe a hallway, but certainly not, a, you know, 200 degrees around you. It's like, where's, and then those who are helping you are also in a scarcity mentality. Like there's nobody in that industry. That's like, don't even worry about it. Universe got your back. We'll figure it out. Everyone's like, you need to spin your blood and take Ozempic because you don't know the net because and especially women, right? You're getting old. This is like all of it's so scarce. Right. They have it so hooked. All of us. I don't blame anybody. This diet culture is enormous. Great book to read if anybody wants to read a great book on sort of the inner workings of this thing. It's called Hooked by Michael Mom. Hmm. And it really talks about big food. And big food's like only one part of this, oh, right? Yeah. Only yeah. one part of it. But, you know, Weight Watchers gets bought by Heinz or something, you know, some bird, it's just what we're up against. So it's like, we have that. And then we'll, and then it's not just our generation that has this up, we're up against. This is like my, my mother's, I mean, the person I actually, I think impacted me the most in my belief about my body and my weight is actually my grandmother, you know, so God only wow. knows what her mother taught her. And I mean, we, this is like what we've learned. And so the unlearning, I think is actually much more profound than even something like alcohol addiction. Right. And that's yeah. no easy I'm in recovery a long time, but like 
that particular path was so much easier for me to untangle and heal from. It was a pretty straight shot, you know, to unheal and untangle my eating, my disordered eating and my body image issues is like, it feels a little bit more lifelong than my more like these like substance addictions. Cause this, this particular issue, and I wouldn't even call it an addiction. It's just like this thing is just, and, and, the, and what I want to say, I think the healing is very, very possible. And I think yeah. we can all take back our power. I mean, it's why it's really why I'm trained in intensati. I think that space that we get into that you're talking about the Saturday is a perfect way to say it. We were like, I had no interest in even seeing your beautiful face, Molly. I was like, can you get off the stage? I'm tired, <laughs> you know? But then after 10 minutes, I was 13 minutes. We did. Yeah. You're like, just kidding. I'm great. I'm stronger than I think I'm going to yeah. rise today. Right. I love myself. And you know, the messages that we're given all day as women is not that it's just not. Yeah. So we need yeah. to be doing a little extra. We call it in behaviorism, overcorrecting, you know, we need to be overcorrecting towards our own power because well, most people don't want us having it. So what do you, I couldn't agree with you more, but what do you, what do you think about, is that, is this issue something, because we know it's generational. Do you think it, it ends up being in our DNA? Oh, it's, well, it's not that I think that. That's actually it is. It's proven. proven. Yeah, there's a great okay. podcast. Where does Huberman Labs just did the most interesting podcast on the, the on generational trauma being in, embedded in DNA? In your, in I believe DNA. that actually. Whole, I actually believe that wholeheartedly. Also, personally, like my father, like that, my father's side has mm -hmm. such deep and profound trauma. Like there's just no way that a person should be as sensitive as I am. Like I ha it has to be living in my, my spirit. It just has to be. I mean, and I'm thrilled about it. You know what? I'm here to serve. And like my story, it just allows me to just really know that I'm here to just like help people break free like I have. So it's great. But yeah, but that, that's actually an incredible podcast to listen to. Highly and by the way, it's two hours, 30 minutes, you get the vibe, you know, time is our great commodity. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. And, and I like to keep my podcast between 20 to 30 minutes. So, so do I. You like, right? time? That's what I mean. Like, time. Labs, like two hours. I don't have two hours to listen to this. I always just joke. Well, if I was Joe Rogan, I could, we, we could talk for three hours, but yeah. You know, <laughs> So well, I love getting to know everybody here and I love getting to talk to you, Sandy. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise, Molly. So is there one thing that a person who's been going through this, you know, diet culture and yo-yo dieting and things like that, is there anything that somebody that you can just some sort of golden nugget that they could maybe apply right away? Yeah, absolutely. Here's uh -huh. I'm going to tell you this. There is an internal wisdom that lives inside of every single one of us. And when the student is ready, the teacher arrives yes. and grace is the most incredible gift that we get. And so I want to say to whoever's listening, like number one, turn on your brain. Like you have to participate in not buying into any of this like nonsense anymore. Right. And that may be that you're at a body weight that you don't want to be at a little bit longer than you have to, whatever. But like, we know that when we're buying the nonsense, it's nonsense. So first thing is turn on your brain. The second thing I want to say is you never, ever, 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 ever stop trying. Cause part, part of the healing is fighting for yourself 
and showing up for it. I have been doing this for 25 years, which frightens me. And the stories I can tell you about somebody getting it on the 12th time, somebody getting, you know, like the process of the healing, it's a little Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off, but like eventually you're going to find the thing, but you got to turn, like, stop going to the abusers, come find the healers. Right. And it's healing is completely possible for you. And when you heal, you heal generations before you and after you. So it's not, you're not just healing yourself. That's right. That's absolutely. I love that. Oh my gosh. Now, where can people find you? I know you have your website, mollycarmel.com yeah. and Instagram, mollycarmel. Yeah, I'm the easiest person to find. I'm also the easiest person to talk to. You I are. love it. I love it. No, oh, but that's nice. I don't mean it in that way. Oh my God. No, I mean that too. But like, I love a direct message. Like I've always, my, my, my sister was like, why are you always talking to the people? I'm like, what else am I here to do? I'm right. also having, um, I do a retreat quarterly and I'm doing a retreat on April 30th, all about um, forgiveness and acceptance. Cause I really <gasps> do believe until yes. we can like forgive and accept ourselves, like this battle is very uphill. And so we're going to yeah. be doing a lot of practices. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a trained therapist. We're doing a lot of that. And like, I would love everyone to come join me at that. I'd love you to come join me at that. I just may. (laughs) (laughs) Molly, this has been so amazing. Everybody check out her website and everything that she has to offer. And thank you again. This has been just so incredible. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to the audience. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness.